Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Avengers Endgame in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Avengers Endgame. It is uh, easily uh, the, the, the MCU film with the most finality to it. Not that that's a very high bar to cross. And on top of that, you end up with this, this ripple effect out from Avengers Endgame on every film behind it and... By necessity, every film after it, in a way that I don't think any of the other Marvel films outside of uh, Infinity War have had uh, the, the, the capacity to accomplish. And so, today, I'm going to talk about the movie. I'm definitely going to have an extended non-spoiler section, uh, although, at this point, I'm pretty sure everyone has seen it four or five times already based on how much money it's making but again i I will for the sake of convenience and uh covering all bases have a spoiler free section uh, before we get into some some nitty-gritty stuff so avengers endgame is the 22nd film in the marvel cinematic universe and that is, that in and of itself is quite a huge accomplishment, right? Like, how many franchises can really say that they've had 22 films? Uh, none? Any? Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I, I would say the next biggest, you know, universe, franchise, whatever you want to call it, uh, as far as quantity is concerned, you know, you've got James Bond movies have have a good number. You know, they're in the 20s. You've got... Um, oh, there's another one I was thinking of, and, and I kind of lost it. Well, there's, there's the DC animated universe. So all the animated DC films... There's, I've seen at least 20 of them, so there's a bunch of those. Those are still kicking, going strong. We get like four or five of those a year, it seems. Uh, but it's not a lot. You know, the longevity of this franchise, and for all of these films to take place within the last 11 years, speaks to the, the public's appetite for what these films are providing them, as well as the, the quality of the films as a whole not necessarily individually, and the the enjoyment factor, the, the financial benefit of the studio, of Disney, of Marvel making these movies, and all of those things are through the roof. These are movies that are making tens of billions of dollars. Uh, they are putting, you know, they are accounting for the vast, vast, uh, a huge percentage of the box office for movies uh, in the last 11 years. They are, um, you know, entering the cultural conversation in a way that very few things have in the same period of time. 
you know, from Thanos' snap, Wakanda forever, I am Iron Man, you know, not all these things are unique to these movies, but they are popular because of these movies outside of, you know, comic book fandoms. Uh, you know, you, you, you just, I am Groot, the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, you know, the, the, the goatee on Iron Man, um, it, it just, th- there's so many, so many things that ripple throughout these films, uh, I can do this all day, whatever it takes, uh, shawarma, you know, there's so many things I can just, just pull out of thin air that have been in all these movies and that are still continuing to permeate through the rest of, of the world, basically. And so there's a lot of pressure on Avengers Endgame to wrap up, effectively, uh, a large chunk of this story. Now... I'm not going to shy away from Infinity War spoilers. I I hope I don't have to. But when we got to the end of Infinity War, everyone, or half of our heroes are dusted and snapped away. And the ones that are left are predominantly original Avengers. You know, Tony's still there, Cap, uh, Hawkeye, Natasha, Hulk, Thor... And then a couple of others who who aren't new, but presumably play a big role in an endgame or a pivotal role in endgame as well. And that knowledge led leads us, most of the fans, to believe that endgame is going to be about wrapping up these storylines. Putting an, a, a bookend on the original Avengers, the ones that started it 11 years ago, from Iron Man and Hulk, and and Thor and Cap, to Natasha and Hawkeye, who weren't really, who never got their own movie, but you know have been there from the first Avengers movie. And these characters have come a long way in that time. They have had their trials and tribulations, their turbulent relationships, their ups and their downs, their their wins and their losses, and, and no loss has been as anywhere near as big as the end of Infinity War. Iron Man watched Peter Parker disappear right in front of his eyes. It's just gone. Gone. Bucky dusted. Everyone is separated at the beginning. You know, Tony is off in space. No one knows where he is. The world is in turmoil. Family, friends, loved ones, acquaintance, acquaintances. Fury is gone. It, it just... It's a pretty harrowing start point for this movie, for Endgame. There is very little optimism to be had and the most optimistic character in this entire franchise Captain America you know even he's struggling even he is struggling to to feel safe any longer and he's right to feel that way so we start Endgame 
with Hawkeye, who did not show up in Infinity War at all. We don't know. We didn't know if he got dusted. We didn't know, you know, where he was at, what he was doing. He retired. He went to spend time with his family, which is great. And and I think you know we see that time and time again in Hawkeye. We see it in uh, in, in Tony as well. Like a lot of these people, just want they want it to be done. They 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 are in this fight to end the fight. Like that's literally what Tony says um, in Civil War. I think. Uh, he he want you know they don't want to do this they have to do this they need to do this but at the end of the day if they could never do it again that's a good thing presumably right like that's a good thing because there's no more threats there's no more villains there's no more enemies no one's life is in danger the world does not need saving and hawkeye i mean to kind of be a little aloof in the way I describe it, kind of jumps the gun. He, he goes off with his family, and it doesn't work out great for him, is all I'll say. We meet up with Tony floating aimlessly through space, and we check in with the rest of the team kind of not sure what to do they they know, you know the goal uh, their goal is find thanos get the stones undo everything and on the surface that seems like a reasonable plan but there's it's never that easy cuz I mean, again, this is the start of the movie. It cannot possibly be that easy. And, of course, the movie presents a lot of wrinkles along the way as they attempt to... ...fix the world. And you can't fix the world without understanding what happened to it. And I don't think it becomes a satisfying moment for us, the viewers... If we don't experience life in failure, if that makes sense. And I like that the movie takes its time to really show us the fallout of all this before we get, before we start moving toward a resolution. I, I think that is uh, uh, the inaccurate and, and solid way. To, to account for Thanos. <laughs> so, that said, um, the other thing, besides Infinity War, that leads into this movie is Captain Marvel. Now, we saw in the very end credit scene of Infinity War that Fury calls her. He She is the last hope kind of thing you know he as far as we know and and who's to say what the truth of the matter is but as far as we know he didn't call her for new york he didn't call her for sokovia he didn't call her until infinity war until thanos which you know nitpick all you want about how much fury's aware of and what he knows when he's actually calling her other than shit's got real and and people are turning to dust and and nothing's 
everywhere. Literally nothing is everywhere. And so then you get the Captain Marvel movie, which transports us all the way back in time to her origin. I re- again, I really like Captain Marvel, the movie, and the character. And so we get to the end of that movie, and we get the, the stinger for that is... Or I guess it's not the last stinger, but like the mid credit scene of that is her showing up uh, uh, near Cap, Natasha, uh, Hulk, or Bruce, and Rhodes, James Rhodes. And she asks where Fury is. And that is what we knew. That is what we had heading into this movie for her. And so, again, more speculation, more consideration, more questions. You know, is she the one that we need to defeat Thanos? Is she the only one strong enough to stand up to him? And again, I contend, not again, but I contend that no. She's, maybe she is the strongest Avenger or the strongest hero that we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I do not think for a second she's the only one capable of defeating Thanos. I think Thor, as we saw in Infinity War, was more than capable of defeating him when he didn't have the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, So... If you if you caveat it and say you know who could defeat Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, well again I would well in that case I would say no one. <laughs> I, I don't think Captain Marvel is strong enough, and I think as a group they are not strong enough if Thanos has a functional Infinity Gauntlet. You know if he has all six stones, you can't. He is impervious. He is undefeatable, and so I, I think concerns of her kind of just being this deus ex machina character are a little unwarranted and unfounded in that regard. But there's a reason this movie came out before Endgame. There's a reason they alluded to her in the final scene of Infinity War, and that's because she has a role to play, and she does. Her role is a lot smaller than probably most of us expected it to be in Endgame. And I say this as someone who really enjoys the character and liked the movie. I'm very pleased by how little screen time she actually has. I think they give a line of, um, she says something to the effect of, you know, there are thousands of planets out there. And none of them have a team of, not all of them have teams of superheroes ready to protect them. Like Earth does with the Avengers. And... I don't know, whether whether that works for you or not, it works for me. I think it's absolutely true. I think it goes a long way to kind of rattling around this idea that as much as we, the viewers of this movie, can only really empathize, sympathize with Earth, or, or at least as the, the mo- we can the most empathy and sympathy we can offer is with humans on earth that's that's just one small speck in the universe with thousands of other planets we've seen multiple alien races in this in this universe already we know that they're all out there we know that they're all going through the same thing that earth is going through and and they need protection and help and aid just as much as we do and the notion that I think the idea that, that the Avengers are the only ones that can stop Thanos, whether that's true or not, 
shouldn't discount that the other people need help. Right? And I, I really like that explanation. So, we don't get as much Captain Marvel as you might think, given sort of the proximity of her announcement and, and understanding and, and so on. Because, at the end of the day, this is about the core Avengers. And we follow their story trying to trying to beat the biggest evil the world has ever faced. I think, again, without spoiling, I think that the resolutions for the main characters, the main Avengers, is, is they're all st- solid. I, I like this movie more than I liked Infinity War. I think Infinity War is still very segmented in a way that makes it feel disconnected and disjointed. I think it has tone problems. I think it has too much humor. Uh, and, and not good humor, but you know, poorly placed and ill-conceived humor. I think it goes for levity twice as often as it needs to, and probably three times as often as it should. Uh, but it's not a bad movie. Like I don't think Infinity War is a bad movie. I don't think an Endgame is a bad movie. I think Endgame is a good movie. I think it has a much more concise, which is incredibly ironic, but a much more concise plot. I think it flows better. I think it has better pacing. It does still have levity and humor issues, but those are much easier to pinpoint as instances as opposed to the whole film overall. And... As a sort of Lord of the Rings Return of the King finale to this story, I felt satisfied. When the credits roll and they highlight every single individual character that has had a significant role in these movies, it it, it affects me. It means something. It matters. It 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 feels significant and important. And watching, you know, seeing these like brief clips, you know, of 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 Valkyrie, uh, you know, stroll, you know, strolling off down the down the bridge of her ship, or Gamora carrying the giant gun on her shoulder from Guardians, or you know, all, just all these just. As, as their names appear on the screen, I, I think it's, it is like saying goodbye to, you know, the first season of a TV show. It's, it's, you don't know what the future has in store for all of these characters yet. Marvel has been very good about keeping many of those pertinent details locked up until Endgame was out, and I think they're holding most of them till even after Far From Home is out. And there's no end credits scene. There's no The Avengers Will Return. We're just kind of left in this complacent state thinking about the path that led to this point and I think that is the, 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 the intention I think we're not supposed to be thinking about the future 
even though most of us are, I think we're supposed to be focusing on the past. I think this movie says, look where Iron Man ended up. Think about the journey and trajectory of his character to get to that point. Look at where Cap found himself. Look at where, you know, Hawkeye and Natasha and Bruce and and look where they're all at now. How does that how do you reconcile that? How do you how do you think of that? How do you compare that to the journey that it took them to get there from where they started to where they, you know, hit those points in Avengers, in Ultron, in Infinity War, in Civil War, in Iron Man 3, in Winter Soldier? It's kind of overwhelming. It's kind of too much almost. You know, this is a movie which, you know, I did the statistics episode, there's 61 people in this movie on my spreadsheet. And that's not even all the characters that I recognize in the movie. How... I've always... The thing I've always appreciated the most, and the thing that's always really drawn me back to the MCU more than anything else, is the interconnectivity of the universe. You know, I I love having a movie like Thor Ragnarok where just we meet Hulk on a distant planet, Thor is completely unaware of it, and then all of a sudden they're in the same world. I love Thor Ragnarok because we get the interlude with Doctor Strange, and it doesn't feel forced. It feels, yeah, he's protecting his realm. He's protecting New York, and these two incredibly powerful aliens show up, and uh, yeah, he's going to do something about it. I think layering these stories in that way draws the audience into them more. I will say, I think that Marvel has has taken it one step too far in that they think that because the stories are all interconnected, they can never end. They have a very big problem with finality. Whether that's characters dying, a la Loki, whether that's um, narratives reaching their end, a la Iron Man, whether that's, you know, whatever, and... So it is incredibly rewarding to see Endgame have a, an end to, in my what feels like many of these main characters. You know, not all of them. I know many, some of them will definitely show up again, but a good number of them are are just they're they're good. They're 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 wrapping it up. They're finished, finito, done. And that makes me happy. You know, if I if I never see them again, I'm I accept where their stories have taken them. And if I do, if they do show up, maybe in a cameo or an end credit scene as a mentor, who knows? Uh, I'll welcome them like like an old friend. You know, like a like a like a school reunion or something, you know. I I just, you know, I'm not a, I'm not even a comic fanboy, but I I, 
I've spent so many years now with these movies and it's hard not to grow attached it's hard not to care and and wait for them and it's incredible how we get three marvel movies for the last like three years now and for me and and obviously financially they're not slowing down they're reaching higher and higher heights You know, who would have expected, you look at Black Panther and Infinity War last year, both made roughly $700 million domestically. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's incredible. And and I think you ask someone a year ago and, or, you know, a year, yeah, a year ago and no, there's no way the duo of Captain Marvel and Endgame could top that. And it's it's you know we're not there yet. We're not. It's not a confirmed thing. But Captain Marvel has already made over you know 415 million dollars. Endgame has already made this more than Captain Marvel in you know the first seven six days of its release. You know we are easily swiftly quickly coursing toward that exact thing it's it's outstanding and so you know you compare this to like a franchise like star wars which technically has not released more than one movie a year since force awakens came out and you get a bomb like solo you know you get Last Jedi decreasing in financial gross from in, from Force Awakens, and it's kind of shocking to see such a huge franchise with such a huge fan base stumble, falter. You know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had many duds from a quality standpoint, uh, even from a financial standpoint, and yet, amidst all that, they're still releasing movies that are breaking records you know they are they are destroying preconceived notions about what is capable at a box office weekend 357 million dollars for endgame that 100 million more than infinity war 110 million more than 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 the force awakens it's astonishing it's it's almost double what Age of Ultron made opening weekend. It, there aren't enough superlatives to to bestow upon a movie that has achieved what Endgame has already achieved in six days. So, I, I am excited for the future. I I really hope that having wrapped up for the most part this this part this sequence this story in the Marvel Cinematic Universe we see new unique voices come through Shangri-La or um that's that's definitely not the right word um Shang-Chi Shang-Chi um is a Chinese with a you know Chinese character 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's getting a movie in the future. We have the Eternals, which who the who knows what's gonna be what that's gonna be about. Uh, you know, there are just there's so many. I feel like there are a lot of possibilities now that we've kind of wrapped the original Avengers. Now that we've you know we've kind of closed the book on Captain America, on Robert, on on Tony Stark, on Natasha, on Hawkeye, on Bruce, on on Thor for the most part, and and. The future is bright, which is insane. <laughs> 22 movies in, and the future is bright. But that's that's the strength of this, this universe. That is how, you know, that's, that's what they're capable of. And I think it's, it's, for me, it's an intensely rewarding and immensely satisfying conclusion to that story so um that said hope i didn't have any spoilers in there i don't think i did uh but we're now excuse me we're now going to get into some spoiler stuff so let me give me i'll give you a spoiler bumper and then we'll we'll get into the nitty-gritty of it so after this it'll be a spoiler-filled review slash reaction to Avengers colon Endgame. Any path, so many worth exploring. Just one would be so boring. And look what you're ignoring. The first thing I want to do is touch on all the things I didn't like. <laughs> because they're not big things generally but they're nitty-gritty and i it really infuriates me that they continue to happen and no one is calling them out on it or the people who are aren't being heard or or just kevin feige or whatever producer or person or director or writer or whoever thinks that they're okay why i don't know um so the entire scene that happens at the diner with Dr. Hulk's introduction and uh, taking pictures of the kids and Ant-Man taking pictures, not being able to, or not wanting to, or the kids not wanting to take pictures with Ant-Man. I hated 100% of that scene. Every single frame of that scene was bad. I didn't care about it. I didn't want to see it. It didn't matter to me. It didn't affect the story. It was irrelevant. If we're just being introduced to Dr. Hulk, we do not have to be introduced to him at a diner. We do not have to see him there. We don't need these stupid-ass kids just showing up for no reason at all. Uh, You know, I don't need to see their lives outside of being heroes, outside of being themselves. That doesn't give me anything, doesn't add anything to my interpretation of this story. It doesn't make me understand them any better. It doesn't make me, you know, sympathize, empathize, get close to them. Like, yeah, five years have passed. What's the world like now? We don't have time for that, okay? Like, cut that whole scene. If you need to have it, you know, obviously they need to introduce Ant-Man and Hulk together since they've never met. Does not have to be at a diner. It doesn't. Have them meet when Hulk gives him a taco, like he does later. I don't know. That whole scene, I've seen it three times. It never works for me. It always rubs me the wrong way. I'm not a fan. And to more more to the point, there's a lot of Dr. Hulk stuff I don't like. Um, 
or I guess not even Dr. Hulk, but just Hulk stuff I don't like. When we go back to 2012 New York, the entire Hulk running down the stairs thing, hate that. Uh, too much Hulk talking, um, which we heard him say, you know, puny god, I think, tiny god, puny god in the Avengers movie. I think, if I remember correctly. But now all of a sudden he can just, you know, he just talks a lot when it wasn't really a thing that he could do until Ragnarok is strange. Uh, I don't remember how much he talks, if he talks at all in Age of Ultron. I'm not sure. I don't know. It, it just felt like a lot to me. We get too many cutaways of him like, Thor hates stairs. I hate Thor. Or Hulk. Hulk hates stairs. I hate Hulk in that scene. Um... The whole point of that sequence is to knock Tony on his ass when he's stealing the Tesseract. And you just, come on. I just, it, it screams of poor writing. It screams of like, that's the only way you could get him to be, you know, knocked backward on, him, on his butt. Ridiculous. Ridiculous to me. Not a fan. Don't like it. Moving on. It's not just Hulk. It's not just Hulk. I have uh, th there's one character I probably have more problems with than Hulk, uh, and that is Rhodes. Rhodes survives the the snap, so he's pretty much in most of the movie. Uh, he's got quite a bit of screen time for someone who isn't exactly an original adventure and uh, so on. It felt like eighty percent of his lines were one-liner quips. You know, things like, oh, great. Oh, nice. Thanos has a retirement plan. Really? I just, I don't want any of it. I, I hated all of his one-liners. The the my the only scene I liked that, as far as levity goes, that I would keep from Rhodes is when he pantomimes strangling baby Thanos. Keep that. I like that one. The rest, no. Don't need not a fan. Get it out. It's just really frustrating. Like, every time... I don't know why they made Rhodes such a snarky, all-he-knows-how-to-do-are-tell-jokes character. But, I mean, I guess that's most of them anyway, so whatever. But it really irritates me, that's all. Uh, other things. I hate Hawkeye's haircut after he goes rogue. It... it it looks like he's 12 years old or whatever, and the guy's like in his 40s. It, it I don't know. It, it, I, I don't like it that the entire scene when he's talking with Natasha when they're um, at Vormir, it, it's it's so distracting. The hair is like half the height that you know. You're, you see his head, and his head stops where the hair starts, and it sticks straight up, and it adds like another foot onto his head. And it just... Um, exaggeration. But it's incredibly distracting, and I didn't like it at all, and I think he's got a terrible haircut. and I don't like it. On the flip side of that, I love Fat Thor. I thought he was hilarious. I thought it made perfect sense with his character and where he went after... The events of Infinity War. I think it makes a lot of sense after he kills Thanos and yet can't fix things. Um, his depression spiral is is reasonable and makes sense to me. 
I liked it. I'm glad he didn't, you know, get abs as soon as he, you know, was worthy again. Just, uh, yeah, Fat Thor, good thing, good thing. Um, like I said, I, I <laughs> pinpointing things, but that this movie is far less problematic from a from a tonal levity situation than Infinity War was. I think it does a much better job of of rationing those moments than Infinity War did. And it's it's um it's ultimately a more rewarding experience. So the movie kind of pulls a last Jedi on us. Uh, we go to find Thanos. He's just chilling in his farm and, and collecting this weird fruit-looking thing and making food for himself. And the Avengers show up. He's already destroyed the Infinity Stones, and they kill him. It's bada-bing, bada-boom, he's dead. And, you know, just kind of like how Snoke gets cut pretty quick. Um, same thing happens to Thanos. And now we're kind of looking at the rest of this movie, like, well, what? Oh, we're twenty minutes into this. What? What's next? And we get this thing on the screen five years later. And the first time I saw that, it didn't shock me. The fi- the Thanos thing was a little surprising. But the five years later wasn't a surprise. It, it, it was just kind of like, oh, interesting. What I like this. I, I was on board. Yes. Give me this fallout. The world is in turmoil. Show me more. And everybody's kind of a little fucked up in, in different places. Like I said, Thor is wallowing in his self-pity. Uh, Natasha is struggling to keep everything together and make things how they used to be. Uh, you know, Steve's right there next to her, with her. You know, Tony's secluded on his own. He's doing the Hawkeye thing prior to the snap, which is, I want my own life. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Hawkeye, meanwhile, is off doing whatever, and you know, kind of trying to bring balance, ironically, to the world. And Bruce spends his time becoming Doctor Hulk, and so. We get all these these different routes, and we get this time jump, and then we get Ant-Man. Saved by a rat. But, you know, hey, one, one, one route, one, one future out of 14 million where that happens, right? Or, you know, maybe more than one, but one, this is one of the ones where that happens, and then, you know... And I, originally, I was really not pleased by that, but then thinking about it more, you know, if we're going to take the the Doctor Strange one out of fourteen million thing with a grain of salt, I can get behind it a little bit more than than I could. So Ant Man, despite the fact that Ant Man during Ant Man the Wasp, he was talking in real time with Hope, uh, only experienced five hours in the quantum realm, while everyone else skipped forward by five years. Enter time travel. 
We go back to 2012, we go back to 2013, 2014, then we go all the way back to 1970. And here's the thing, like I said prior, this is a movie about looking at the past. This is a movie about looking at the journey that took us to, to this point. This is about looking at the narrative and arc and characters that we have been with for 10, 11 years. And by time traveling into the past, that allows the movie to have a very easy way to communicate. Remember this, remember this. Look, we're going to change it a little bit. Look what this could have been. Look what that could have been. Oh, things could have been like this, that, the other. And I think it really, despite being, you know, quote unquote, fan service, is an effective way of recontextualizing these events. You know, I'm, I bet a lot of people rewatched the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe or at least, you know, the Avengers movies or whatever prior to seeing Endgame and getting those same moments, you know, the assembled you know, circle shot in the first Avengers movie. Seeing that again from a new perspective, from a new angle. Seeing that battle, you know, realizing that Tilda Swinton, Sorcerer Supreme, the Ancient One, was currently engaging in the fight, you know, you know, a couple of blocks over while the Avengers were right there is exciting to me. Her even her just her conversation with Banner is is exciting to me. Tony going all the way back to 1970 and meeting his dad and having a conversation with his dad and getting some closure, getting some finality, getting some anything with him means a lot. Cap seeing Peggy Carter there, uh, who didn't take me. It took me till the third time to to really see that she had been you know aged up a bit, which she needed to be since he left. He froze in forty five, so it's been twenty five years in nineteen seventy. But I still do have a problem that she, Peggy Carter, one of the best agents of Shield ever, did not see him standing there on the other side of the window. Like I get it's a dark room, but come on, come on. Did he have to be that close, really? sigh but that said um, Iron Man dies he lays his life on the line for the universe Natasha dies she also lays her life down to save everyone Bruce the only one in theory who could have survived using the gauntlet gives up half of his body for it for everyone to come back and he does it he does it you know he spent so many movies so long convinced that the green guy was a bad thing that he was work that that the green guy was hurting him, working against him. And now finally, combining his brain and brains and his brawn, he is able to utilize his, his 
his gamma radiation in a way that saves everyone. He earned that. Everyone comes back. That shot, oh my goodness. All Everyone returning to the battlefield up opposite Thanos and his army. I mean, man, it, it just... So many characters, right? So many friends. So many people who we know, we care about, we, we love. We hate. You know, we love to hate. It's exciting and it's exhilarating and seeing these people interact with each other, watching as as Black Panther tosses the gauntlet up to Spider-Man who's saved by Pepper in an Iron Man suit who throws him onto the back of Valkyrie's Pegasus, you know, and where, when he ultimately hands it over to Captain Marvel and she is joined by the rest of the MCU ladies in, in an incredible shot, as contrived as it may be. I mean, it's awesome. It's just awesome to see something like that. And at the same time, for me at least, I was super pleased by the fact that 2014 Thanos, no Infinity Stones, is able to hold his own against all of these people. He fights Cap, Thor, and Tony simultaneously to to victory, even after Cap wields Mjolnir. He's able... He may not be as strong as Captain Marvel without the gauntlet, but he definitely... But he's able to prevent them from taking the stones away by destroying the time machine in Lewis's van. He's able to, you know, he fights Scarlet Witch, and she nearly gets him, but he's able to, you know, blow up the world, basically, with his spaceship. I, I love how competent of a, of a villain he is. I love, even when he is pushed against his back, you know... You know, when at the end, when he's just trying to get to the gauntlet, as he's stopped by Tony, Thor, Cap, and Captain Marvel at various intervals, it thrills me that he is so smart, so strong, so powerful, that he is still an equal match for them. That he is still able to get this close to doing it again he become it's it's so close that is how strong he is that is what makes him a good villain it i love that he's able to accept that he is his his future alternate self snapped but aired, right? He realizes that leaving half of the people, half of the living people, living things alive doesn't destroy the memory of what's gone. And therefore, no one can move on. And I love that he is able to, to address that and assess that and move forward 
with a different strategy, with a different plan that he now realizes is new. I love that they're able to, you know, cause him to feel this this emotion of of satisfaction to destroy their planet, right? He, he, you know, I'm cold, I'm calculated, I do things without passion, this is emotionless. And the only time we really saw him emotional in Infinity Wars when he has to kill Gamora. And finally, after he knocks down Cap with the Cap and, and Mjolnir, he, he states, you know, I'm going to enjoy destroying this fucking planet. Because you guys are a pain in my side, and it is, it's high time that I get rid of you. Tony gets the gauntlet. No, he doesn't. Tony, at the very last second, because the gauntlet is something he made, allows him to put his armored hand on that gauntlet, transfer the stones over to him, and he snaps his fingers. And all of Thanos' warships, minions, supporters, children, and Thanos himself turn to dust kills him I, I thought the the sequence with Tony and Peter went on a little too long when he died but it was a little too much I liked Pepper every time I saw Pepper I, I think I was I was pleased to see her I all the women really but the funeral jeez that long take in the funeral that unbroken shot with, geez, like five billion dollars on the screen at once, CGI or otherwise, just kind of overwhelming. Kind of overwhelming. Ah, man. Um, that's it. Like, I, I really like the movie. I don't have too much else to say. Um, the time travel stuff mostly works for me. I like Thor now being with the Guardians. I like Valkyrie being queen of Asgard. Um, Cap gets to go live out his life with Peggy, which I was glad for. And Sam gets to be Captain Falcon? Question mark. Um, he and Bucky have their own Disney Plus show, so less likelihood that we'll see them in the movies. WandaVision is a new Netflix show, so I don't know if we'll see much of Scarlet Witch anymore. Not Netflix, uh, Disney Plus show. Uh, Shang-Chi 
the Eternals, another Black Panther, presumably, another Captain Marvel. We got Spider-Man. We got another Guardians as Guardians. Um, what else? Hawkeye reunites with his family. Nice, good, happy. Maybe another Doctor Strange. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot out there to to pull from, and there's a million stories left to tell. It's about. They just don't need to sacrifice quality for entertainment. I don't think that has to happen. And sometimes it feels like they do. So, Avengers Endgame. Biggest movie of the year? Question mark. Most likely. Seems that way. Very going to be very difficult to beat. Um, that's it. That's it. I don't know. That's where we're at. Thank you. For listening to today's episode. I'm happy to talk about more Endgame. Uh, if anyone wants to. Twitter at Circle of Film. Letterboxd at Circle of Film. Shoot me an email. Circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can find more episodes. Circleoffilm.com. Uh, and top ten lists and whatnot. You can um, like, rate, review, subscribe to the show. It helps me out if you want to support me. Uh, you can also head over to patreon.com slash circle of film to, uh, to, and become a patron for as little as eight cents an episode. And that's it. Thank you for listening to today's episode again. It does mean a lot to me. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll never. Even as she fades from